grab your Bible, grab your Bibles, everybody, and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And we have been in a series called Holy Spirit. I didn't want to be tricky with the title. I want to be very upfront with what we're talking about. And we have been talking about the Holy Spirit. And last week we talked about uh, really the baptism with or in the Holy Spirit. And what I really felt from the Lord, because I understand when it comes to the Holy Spirit, there are, there are mysteries and things that are difficult to understand and people have different backgrounds. And some people were taught this way about the Holy Spirit. Some people were taught this way about the Holy Spirit. Some people were not taught about the Holy Spirit. Some people were taught against certain aspects um, or things related to the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and so I just really want to take the Bible. We're just kind of going scripture by scripture. And, and I'm trying to give you as much that I can give you to understand as much as you can about the Holy Spirit. If it's in the Bible, how many know if it's in the Bible, we need to understand it. When, when Paul said that we should rightly divide the word of truth, he wasn't just at a pastor's conference, somebody, right? Wasn't a pastor's conference. He wasn't just talking to the disciples. He was talking to each of us. That, that is our responsibility to understand scripture. And, and I'll say this over and over again, just because someone has a YouTube channel or a lot of followers or stands on a platform and they share something, that doesn't make it right. And you need to know what the Word of God says for you. And I always, and I have from the beginning, encouraged all of our church, you can hear me say something, and if you don't like it, you go to the Word of God. Right, And you, you go to the Word of God and you try to find out what the Word of God says. Don't just say, well, the pastor said so. You can't have faith. Faith doesn't come by hearing the Word of the pastor. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Everybody with me? And so I just want to make that delineation and, and just say that. So uh, we're going to talk about it's going to be fun today. Yeah, when I tell you my title, uh, you're, you're going to, yeah. So let's read it together. I'll tell you in a minute. We got to get all the doors locked. Um, 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, it says, Pursue love. This is Paul. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. I'm going to talk about this next week, but I just want you to understand that New Testament prophecy, prophecy categorically is edification, exhortation, and comfort. It is not judgment and correction. According to what Paul, and Paul was kind of an expert because we use his writings to understand it, right? He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Oh man, we're going to get into it today, y'all. We're going to have fun today. Uh, I called this message, The Mystery of Tongues. And we have locked the doors. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, the mystery of tongues. Let, let's pray together. Father, we just thank you so much for the word of God. God, faith does come by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. And Lord, we thank you that we have the word of God to, to hear, to know, to understand. God, you've given us such a treasure in the word of God so that we can know things that we don't have to be unknowing. 
Um, and God, we don't have to be confused because you have given us this perfect word of God. Holy Spirit, I pray today as we lean into the word of God that you would just illuminate really truth to us. You guide us into truth. So I pray in this next few minutes that we have, just guide us into truth as we look at the word of God. Lord, I just pray that we would all, God, we don't have to have open hearts towards a doctrine, but we should all have open hearts towards the Holy Spirit and towards you. And so, God, we, we can have an open heart towards your word and an open heart towards your spirit and an open heart towards you. And, God, that's what I pray we would have today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. The mystery of tongues. Um, tongues are not really talked a lot about in a lot of, it is in some, but not in a lot of churches, not a lot of denominations. But here's what I want you to understand. Um, tongues, as, as we're going to talk about it being a supernatural mystery, is actually in your Bible, depending on your version, 30, 30 or more than 30 times. And how many know if it's in the Bible that many times in the New Testament, we should probably at least seek to understand what we can understand about it. Instead of just saying, it makes me uncomfortable. How many know a lot of things about God make me uncomfortable? Right? Forgiving your enemies, that makes me uncomfortable. Anybody ever been uncomfortable about forgiving your enemies? Loving those who hate you, does that make anyone else uncomfortable? And so here, here's the reality. And can I just be honest? We don't have, as, as, as people, we, we don't get offended about things we understand really well. And we don't get offended about things we were taught not to be offended about. And we don't get uncomfortable about those things. But there are certain things, the way they've been taught, etc., we can be offended about or be uncomfortable with. But what, here's what I would say is being uncomfortable just means I'm uncomfortable. It doesn't mean it relieves me of the responsibility to understand. Right? Because when I've had to forgive my enemies, I've been very uncomfortable about that, but it didn't relieve me from the responsibility of doing it, right? And so, and so I want you to know, if it's in the Bible this many times, we ought to try to understand it and not just kind of put it over there and say, that's what some crazy people do, or that's just not for me, or just you know, let's lock that away, those type of things. No, what we ought to say is, well, it's not going. if it's in the Bible, how many know it's in the Bible? See, what we need to understand is if we're reading the Bible and something rises up in us just by reading the Bible, we've got, a, we've got an issue, not the Bible. Does that make sense? And so if we're reading a, a scripture and it's, and like I was reading that and all of a sudden I said, you know, tongues and I'm reading from the, and all of a sudden something kind of braced up inside of you, you might want to back up and say, hey, we don't ever have to be resistant to the word of God. We don't ever want to push against the word of God. That's just the word of God. Okay. So we're going to dive in together and try to understand as much as we can the mystery of tongues. So in, in all normal fashion, the way I typically do, I have three points. And you can write these down. And if you're not going to take notes today, go ahead and write these down. Um, number one. Number one. And this, this is going to get some of you, but just, just hey, you just, if you'll hang in there with me, I promise. Nobody's going to try to make you do anything. Nobody's going to put anything on you. <laughs> I promise you're safe, okay? Uh, number one, tongues are God's idea. Tongues are God's idea. We just read in the Bible, this is what Paul said. I, 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 he who speaks in a tongue speaks mysteries. No one understands him, but he speaks to God. It's what we just read. We just read that. 
We read where Paul said, I wish you'd all speak in tongues. We're going to come back to that. It's in the Bible because this is something that's from God. And according to James, only good and perfect gifts come from God. And so I, I want to start right there by saying this is in the Bible. Paul is talking to a church and he is talking to them about this. And every reference you would read would understand that this is something that comes from God. So if it comes from God and Paul is talking to a church about it, it can't be bad. It can't be bad. Um, I think when it comes to understanding tongues, I think here is where the confusion starts. In your New Testament, there are four distinctions or variations of tongues. I'm going to give them to you. Two of them are a public gift and two of them are a private grace. And this is where it gets confusing. Because if you don't have this as the key, it's hard to... You get, if you just go look at all the scriptures about someone giving a tongue or speaking in tongues, if you just go read all the scripture, it gets very confusing if you don't understand. There are four distinctions or categories, if you will, or variations, two of which are public gifts, two of which are private graces. Okay, so, so I'm going to explain it, and I'm going to explain it by just reading your Bible to you and putting it in a way that hopefully you can understand. So let's talk about the public gifts, if you will, the public gifts. In other words, something that's for public use. Uh, number one, you can write this down under that, tongues as a sign. Tongues as a sign. Let me give you the verse. 1 Corinthians 14, 22. So you see that speaking in tongues is a sign. Do you see that? Not for believers, but for unbelievers. This is where it's gotten confused in, in a lot of churches. Prophecy, however, is for the benefit of believers, not unbelievers. So this is what Paul said. So you see that speaking in tongues is a sign for unbelievers. Now, the problem is some people took that verse and they said... If I apply, and this is going to make sense in a minute, if I apply that verse not to a public gift but a private grace, in other words, I'll just go speak in tongues to people and that will be a sign, that ended up being just a sign that they were crazy. You also need to understand when you have the writings of 1 Corinthians that 1 Corinthians is where Paul is answering questions based on problems that the church is having. So there was a letter, the original letter that was written was lost. So the really 1 Corinthians we don't have. 1 Corinthians, what we have is 2 Corinthians. I don't know if God was like, that's not good, Paul, start over. And he had to write another letter. I don't know what happened. He's like, no, nah, that's not getting the Bible, try again. I don't know what happened. But there was a letter to the Corinthians that we don't have that was that preceded 1 Corinthians. And in 1 Corinthians, six different times, if you have the Old King James or New King James, you kind of have one of those versions, it would say, now concerning this, now concerning this. And it does that six times because they were asking six questions and Paul is answering all six questions. All right, so when, when, when he's writing this, part of the problem was in the church, the confusion between what is a public gift and what is a private grace, and how does that apply in public worship, right? And the Corinthians, the, the Corinthian church is kind of a dichotomy. The Corinthian church um, <laughs> were really jacked up, you know, in their flesh. In other words, there was a lot of sin. There was a lot of, they were getting drunk on the communion wine, uh, 
you know, they were, they were, a lot of immorality and sexual issues. And yet on the other side, they had all these wonderful gifts of the Holy Spirit. That was very powerful. It's quite a dichotomy. And so Paul is writing and he addresses sexual things and communion wine and all that. But then he also is saying, now, hey, concerning spiritual gifts, you guys got to get this together because y'all running around acting crazy and scaring everybody. I mean, that's, that's kind of a loose interpretation. It's an unabridged. But that's kind of just summing up. He's like, people are coming to church and y'all are yelling at them in tongues. And they're like, these people are nuts and they're leaving. Because they didn't understand what I'm teaching is the difference between a public gift and private grace. So when we're talking about public gift, the, the first variation of that would be tongues is a sign for unbelievers. But we need to know what that looked like because it wasn't just people speaking in tongues. In fact, to know what it looked like, we, we go back to the book of Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. What you actually see on the day of Pentecost is tongues is a sign for unbelievers. Let me read it. Acts chapter 2 verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now look at verse 5. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in their own language. And they were amazed and astonished. Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one of us in our own native language? So you just see what I have. This is Pentecost. It's a big celebration. Tons of people are in Jerusalem. And on the day of Pentecost, there's a sound from heaven, the cloven tongues of fire that's resting on each one. They thought they were drunk, but they start speaking in tongues. And people are hearing the gospel preached in languages these people didn't know. So if you, if you just imagine today, if, if we were, I don't know, like at the United Nations or something, there's all these nations of the world and the Holy Spirit falls on a group of us and someone starts speaking in Japanese and someone starts speaking in Bulgarian and someone starts speaking French and someone starts speaking in German and none of us know those languages, but that's what's happening. And the people there that, that are French and Bulgarian, they're like, we hear the wonderful works of God being proclaimed in our, in our own language by people who don't know our language. So, so that is, tongues is a sign for an unbeliever. I remember one time, and it wasn't an unbeliever, but the closest example I have from my own life of this, I was in a prayer meeting years and years ago, and there was a lady in the prayer meeting that all of a sudden began to speak with tongues. And she got louder and louder and louder. And, um, and so finally the, the pastor, when, when she seemed to be finished, said, um, does anyone have an interpretation? Now, I'm going to explain all that in a minute, okay? So just go with me. But an interpretation would be, has God moved on anyone to tell us what this person just said? All right, so we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Um, and there was a man who stood up in the back, and he said, I don't have the interpretation, but I know what she said because she spoke perfect Bulgarian, and I'm from Bulgaria. And I was praying and asking God for direction, and God just answered through that lady. Now, that lady didn't know Bulgarian. She didn't know what Bulgaria was. <laughs> I'm straight up with you. She didn't know, like, you go, was it like Ukraine, go south of Scandinavian country. Anyway, she didn't know that. She didn't know where it was, 
But she spoke perfect Bulgarian that day, and God answered everything that missionary had been praying about. So I'm just saying, that's close as I have for my own story, but I also know at the turn of the century, there were stories of missionaries in other countries that'd be moved by the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, and people that didn't, where they didn't know the language would understand what they were saying and, and get saved. The, the problem was they started trying to make that this is just how you do missions work, so they stopped training them to speak in languages and just said, be full of spirit and go speak in tongues and everybody's going to get saved, and missionaries ended up getting killed and so then they figured out this doesn't work this way but it was tongues as a sign it's it's a public gift it's something supernatural that god does then there's what we call the gift of tongues now i'm going to in the next message i'm going to talk about spiritual gifts i'm going to explain them all right but but this is one of nine spiritual gifts uh, that we see in first corinthians 12 and so 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. So look at that. So there are gifts. They all come from one Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in every one. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now verse 10. I'm going to jump to verse 10. I'm going to go through all the gifts of the Spirit next week, or the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit next week, because there are gifts in... Romans chapter 12 is motive gifts, so that's like serving and leadership and hospitality. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 are gifts that Jesus gives the church. They're, they're like official or, or gifts of office, uh, which would be pastor, teacher, prophet, evangelist, whichever one I just, pastor, teacher, pastor, teacher, apostle. Yeah, so that's the five. Um, but 1 Corinthians 12 is, is gifts given by the Holy Spirit. So, I, so I'm going to skip to verse 10 because I want you to see it there. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the, the ability to distinguish between spirits uh, or the discerning of spirits, some versions say. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. So when Paul is talking about this, he is talking about gifts that are public gifts. That, in other words, the working of miracles. How many of that's not? If you have a gift of the working of miracles, we don't want you to keep that to yourself. Right? If you have a gift of healing, please don't keep that to yourself. Pray for somebody. Does that make, are you with me? So he is not talking about private graces. He is talking about public gifts. And in public gifts, he said there is one that is given various types of tongues and then another interpreted. And if you go to 1 Corinthians 14, Paul explains how this is to be worked out in the church, meaning that someone, ha they feel that they have a message, what we call a message in tongues, and someone, and so what they do is either A, they pray for the interpretation, or they find someone with an interpretation that feels like, well, I have the interpretation. And that's why Paul said, let's just do this two or three in order. And if one has a tongue, let him pray that he interpret. But if he doesn't have an interpreter, let him be silent. Why? Because if we just all stand up like the Corinthians, as everybody starts speaking in tongues, everybody's just going to think we're nuts. They're not going to see the power of God working in that. But this is where... One has, was, one has a gift, a public gift of tongues, and one has a public gift of interpretation. When they work together, it builds up the church because they witness a mystery of God. They witness something supernatural, and they receive a message from heaven. Are you with me? So that's the public gift of tongues. Tongues is a sign, and then the gift of tongues for public edification that, according to Paul, must be interpreted. Now, let's talk about the private grace of tongues, because it's a public gift. Now, the private grace of tongues. So back to 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, 
right? So this is what Paul, he's, why is he saying this? Because they're running around to, like, could you imagine today, if you're, if you're a guest, you're probably already looking for the exit, but just work with us today. If you were a guest at a church and the greeters greeted you by speaking to you in languages you didn't understand. Well, that'd be bizarre. And Paul's saying, hey, you don't, you don't. Now he's talking about a private grace. And he's saying when it comes to a, a personal prayer language, so that's the first private grace. When it comes to a personal prayer language, you don't run around and speak that to people because that's something you're talking to God. That's, that's how you talk to God, not how you talk to people. Right? The, the public gift is something supernatural that builds up the church. The private grace is a language you have to 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 pray to God, to talk with God. So that's why I said, for he who speaks in a tongue doesn't speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, and this is a phrase you need to underline in your Bible, if in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. However, in the Spirit. Everybody say, in the Spirit. Because I want you to understand, Paul just gave us a key to understanding the writings of Paul. Because Paul used speak with tongues and in the Spirit interchangeably. Did you see that? So Paul just said, for he who speaks in a tongue doesn't speak to men, but to God. In the spirit, he speaks mysteries. So he's saying, in the spirit means speaking in tongues. Are you with me? I need to understand that. So 1 Corinthians 14, 14. Then Paul says, for if I pray in a tongue, watch this, my spirit prays. So he could say, in the spirit, I'm praying. If I pray in a tongue, in the spirit, I am praying. And then what it says is, but my understanding is unfruitful or my knowing. In other words, I don't know what I'm praying, but I am praying in the spirit. This is what he's saying. Again, just, all right. Verse 15, 1 Corinthians 14, 15. What is the conclusion then? Watch this. I will pray with or in the spirit. So what's he talking about? tongues. How do I know he's talking about tongues? Because the next verse says, and I will pray with understanding. So he is saying, he is making a distinction that there is praying with or in the spirit. And then there is praying with or in your understanding or from your understanding. So he is now not talking about a public gift, but a private grace. And he's saying, I will pray and I will pray in the spirit and I will pray with understanding. And then he says, and I will sing with the Spirit. What's he talking about? Singing in tongues. Can you do that? Sure, why not? You can sing in English. You can sing in French. French. (laughs) Is that a new dressing that comes from France? It's French dressing. Um, That's where you put French dressing and ranch dressing. Dear God, that'd be nasty. Anyways. (laughs) But if you threw some Chick-fil-A sauce in there, you'd have a revival. But he's saying, I will sing with the Spirit or sing in the Spirit, and I also sing with understanding. So Paul, he is explaining to them a private grace that is different than the public gift. He's saying, you know, yes, there's this sign to unbelievers. Yes, there's this gift that can build up the church. But there's also this private grace where you can pray with the Spirit or you can pray in understanding. Right? You can sing with or in the Spirit, but you can sing with understanding. Verse 16, 1 Corinthians 14, 16. He said, otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit. Well, bless is a word. Of, it's like prayer. Some versions say, if you give thanks with the Spirit. So here's what he's saying. Otherwise, if you just, listen to what he's explaining. If you pray with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks? In other words, at your prayer, since he does not understand what you say. So again, this is not something that's being interpreted. He's talking 
talking about to the Corinthians who are running around and they're speaking in tongues to everybody. He's saying, hey, if you're just praying in tongues, that's for private use. Because if you just start praying in tongues to people that don't understand. I remember one time we had a, a lady sent me a wonderful email. It wasn't mean at all. Um, and it was about tongues and, and, and the church. And she made a comment. She said, Pastor, it would just do me good if I could hear you pray with tongues uh, over the church service. And I sent her this verse and I said, I can't based on scripture. Because what Paul just said is when, we, when people who are there who do not believe or do not understand, praying in the spirit would create confusion and be unfruitful. Right? And so I told her, I, I understand. And she said, well, I just came from a church where the pastor did that. And I said, I, I understand. And that's what I did. My understanding of scripture and what I know is every week at Pathway we have guests. Uh, every week we have people who are not believers. Uh, every week we have people who have not been taught much about the Holy Spirit or tongues. And if whoever was on the platform just started praying in tongues, yes, some of our church might get very excited. Some of our church would walk out because they'd be like, oh, Lord, this is what Granny told me to stay away from. Are, are you with me? So, so what Paul's saying again, he's talking about a prayer language that is for private use where you can pray to God. This is something you and God have, but it's not a public gift. It's a private grace. Are, are, you, are you with me? Um, and, and I know some people say, Paul says, well, if you pray in the spirit, you don't understand. And if you prophesy and, and, and that Paul's like making making a comparison, etc. But you need to understand, he didn't say, don't pray in the Spirit. He's just saying, if you do pray in the Spirit, you're talking to God, not to men. Right? In fact, in your Bible, verse 39 of 1 Corinthians 14 says, do not forbid people from praying in the Spirit or speaking in tongues. Do not forbid them. I want you to think about that because there are churches which have forbidden people from praying in the Spirit or speaking in tongues. And Paul said, no, don't. So, so this is not Paul saying, hey, don't do this. This is Paul trying to help people understand. So there's a public gift, and then there's a private grace. And so under the public gift, what was it? Tongues is a sign, and then the gift of tongues. Under the private grace, there's a personal prayer language. And then there's intercession, intercession, which is another type of prayer that is private, right? And I'll show you this in Romans 8. Romans 8, verse 20, verse 26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Well, what, what is our weakness? Well, you got time, I'll make a list, right? You know, um, What is our weakness? For, but what is our weakness? Paul's talking here. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. In other words, here's a weakness we have. Have you ever had a situation where you didn't know how to pray? This happens to me a lot. I don't know if it's just me or I just don't know enough or understand enough things. I don't know what it is. But many times I need to pray about something. I'm like, I do not know how to pray for this. Right? And here's what Paul said. That's just a weakness of our flesh. Right? That's just being. So if you've ever run into somewhere where you didn't know how to pray, welcome to the club. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with you. Most of us, all of us have things we don't know how to pray about. Right? But it said, the Spirit himself, look at this, intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. In other words, the Holy Spirit is interceding for us with things we don't understand. Um, years ago, we had a lady in our church. She called me 
one, one morning, and she said, Pastor, I need to talk to you. I said, sure, what, what's, what's the situation? She said, well, something happened I don't understand, and I think maybe you could help me. I said, well, this sounds exciting. And she said, last night, um, I got up in the middle of the night, and I just felt like I needed to pray. She said, I don't know how to describe it, but I just felt like I needed to pray. And I said, okay. And she said, so I went, and I started praying. And she said, the prayer really became intense. She said, I, there was just a lot of emotion. This is how she's trying to explain this to me. And she said, you know, I just felt so, I would say my word would be burdened. And it was heavy. And she said, as I began to pray, she said, I just in my, in, she said, I don't know if it's in my mind or where it came from, but I heard these sounds that were not words. And she said, and at first I tried to disregard it. She said, but then it became so strong, I just started saying the sounds. And she said, and this went on for over an hour that I'm saying things that I don't understand. But she said, it seemed to be helping. So I just kept going with it. And she said, when it finally subsided nearly two hours later, she said, I went back to bed the next morning. I got a call from one of my kids who had been in an accident the night before at the very time that I was praying for them and God had kept them safe. And, and I took her to this verse and I said, our weakness is we don't always know who to pray for or what to pray, but the Holy Spirit. What if I told you you could have a prayer partner who always knows the will of God and who always knows how to pray the perfect prayer that will move heaven and earth and he will come and pray with you at any time? Would that not be worth something to you? Right? And so, so there it is. Tongues are God's idea. And there's a public gift and there's a private grace. Here's number two. Tongues make you better. Tongues make you better. In a world where everybody's like, I just need to get better. Let me help you. Tongues make you better. 1 Corinthians 14, 4. Look at this. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. But the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, time out, time out. Because some people have taken this verse. And they have said Paul is actually talking against tongues and saying, don't speak in tongues, only prophesy. Now, I'd like to point out one thing. Most of the people that have argued that to me, I said, when's the last time you prophesied? And they said, never. <laughs> so you are using a verse where Paul, and you're saying, your understanding of the verse is Paul saying, don't speak in tongues, but you should prophesy, but you don't prophesy. Yeah. Did you miss something? <laughs> so you need to understand that conjunction, but. He said, the one who, who prays in tongues builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. That conjunction, but, is where people get hung up. But that conjunction, actually, most of the time in the New Testament is written in Greek. Most of the time it's interpreted and. In other words, he's saying, those who speak in tongues build up themselves and those who prophesy build up the church. In fact, in some versions, modern versions, it's that conjunction but is actually interpreted on the other hand. So it would actually say, those who speak in tongues build up themselves. On the other hand, those who prophesy build up the church. I say that so you understand, it's not a derogatory statement. Paul is making a comparison between gifts and graces. Right? Because prophecy is a public gift. A prayer language is a private grace. And that's actually what he's talking about right here. Are you with me? So what he's saying is, he's not saying, don't speak in tongues, only prophesy. He's saying, no, 
You can speak in tongues, but on the other hand, if you prophesy, it builds up more people. For instance, you can read the Bible privately. We know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I can read the Bible privately, and it will build up my faith. But I can also read the Bible publicly, and it will help your faith. Are you with me? So Paul, this is what he's saying. Privately, you can pray in tongues. It will build you up, right? But publicly, prophesy so it builds up other people. Do you see what he's saying there? And so you need to understand, this is what Paul just said about praying in tongues. And again, we're talking about a private grace right now of praying in tongues. He's saying it makes you stronger on the inside. It builds you up. It strengthens you. It fortifies you in faith. In fact, Jude um, verse 20 says, but you beloved building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Well, Jude, how do I build myself up in the most holy faith? Praying in the Holy Spirit. I just have a curious question in the world in which we live, which is a little bit crazy. Does anyone need to be built up? Would that be helpful if there were a way you could be strengthened and built up, especially in faith, because your faith is probably under attack all the time, just like mine is in the world and the culture in which we live? Right? Where it's becoming unpopular to have morals or values based on the Bible. Wouldn't it be great if we could be built up and we could be strengthened? And that's, that's why he's saying, hey, tongues makes you better, makes you stronger. Right? In fact, let me show you something. Have you ever heard of the armor of God? I'm going to read it here in a minute. Most people have probably heard a book or read a book, heard a series. Maybe somebody spoke about it on their YouTube. Um, <laughs> but do you know, and we're going to read it in just a minute, Paul says, put on the whole armor of God. Do you know most people don't teach the whole armor of God? Let me show you, because in your Bible, it's right there in front of you. Ephesians 10, we're going to skip just a little bit, but I want you to get the context, and then we're going to skip. So this is Ephesians 10. I'm at 6.10, sorry, Ephesians 6.10. There is no chapter 10 in the book of Ephesians, so if you're looking for that, I'm sorry, I just confused you, right? Um, Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So this context is how to be strong, right? Do you see the context we're about to read? How am I going to be strong? Well, you're going to be strong in the Lord. How am I going to be strong? I need to be strong in the power of his might and not mine, right? So how do I do that? Well, put on, everybody say, the whole the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The devil's got some schemes. And the way to stand against the schemes is to what? Put on the whole armor of God. Why? So you'll be strong in the Lord. Are you seeing that? And then he goes on to list the armor of God. And he talks about the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the shield of faith. And then look at verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, Comma, not period. Comma, because most people say, say you know, the, shield, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and that's where they start, their, that's where they stop the armor of God series. But there's a comma there, verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit. This is Paul writing. What did we say Paul meant when he said in the spirit? 
praying in tongues. So this is what Paul's saying. Put on the whole armor of God. You need the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of of peace, the shield of faith. You need the helmet of salvation. You need the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And you need to pray in the spirit. That's what he just said. With all prayer and supplication to to that end, keeping alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. There's not a period after verse 17, there is a comma. For us to understand the whole armor of God, we need to understand Paul wasn't finished when he said the sword of the Spirit. He was going to give us one more key to what? Being strengthened and being strong in the Lord and standing against the schemes of the enemy. And that secret was praying in the Spirit. So tongues, God's idea. Tongues makes us stronger. Here's the third thing. We can all speak with tongues. Oh, it's made everybody nervous. Y'all were so, doing so good till I said this one, right? And now having said this one, your F will get your purse. One of them churches. Just sit down, Earl. It's going to be all right. Remember, nobody's going to try to make you do anything. I made them put away all the snakes. But we can all speak with tongues. Let me show you something. Let me show you this. Because, and you need to understand, and I'm going to show you because I'm going to use some scriptures that people use to say we won't all speak with tongues, but I'm going to show you a different way to see it. But we need to understand um, that when we're talking about a private grace, right, that's, that's for everybody. That's for everybody. Because God is what? Not a respecter. Of persons. So why would God have something that's supernaturally powerful where you can pray the will of God and perfect prayers that build you up, that is part of the armor of God and say, no, it's just for a few? Well, that wouldn't be good. Right? That that almost that doesn't sound like a good God to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just gonna have certain people. Just, just the people that go to those churches. No, I can tell you why certain people do, you see this more in certain places. Because what does it take to receive any grace? Faith. How are you saved? By grace through faith. Now, has God's grace been given to all men? Yes, Titus. God's grace has appeared to all men. But but some have put faith in it and some have not. So the people who are saved today, it's not because God's grace appeared to them and not to someone else. The people who are saved today, God's grace appeared to them and they had faith in it. So how do you receive any grace from God? Faith. So if we're talking about a private grace, how do you receive it? Well, you receive every private faith. So why do some people experience this and some don't? It could be that they put faith there. It could not be, or it may not be, that God only does this for a few people. It may be that some hearing the word of God mixed it with faith. Are you with me? So we all speak in tongues. First Corinthians 14. I'm going to show it to you in your Bible. First Corinthians 14, 15, it says, So what's the conclusion? Look what Paul says. We read this verse a minute ago. But look what Paul says. I will pray. He didn't say, when the Holy Spirit makes me. He didn't say, because I have the gift. 
He didn't say, because I'm a great apostle, so God gave me a special deal. He just said, I will pray with the Spirit. What do we say with the Spirit means? In tongues. So here's what Paul said. I will pray, I will pray in tongues. I will. This is a decision I'm going to make. This is something I'm going to do. I mean, it's very clear. And he says, I will sing. It doesn't say when the Holy Spirit makes me sing or if the Holy Spirit gives me the gift to sing. He didn't say, because I'm a special guy and I got a special deal, so I can sing. He didn't say, because I'm Pentecostal, I'm able to do this, but everyone else isn't. Listen, I know a lot of Baptist people who pray with tongues. I do. I, I, know, I know people in just about every denomination that you can name who pray with tongues. So, so this is not a doctrine, and it's not a denomination. This is, this is what Paul said. I will choose to pray with tongues, and I will choose to sing with tongues. He didn't say when the Holy Spirit makes me or when I went. No, he said, I just, now look at this. 1 Corinthians uh, 14, verse 5. And this is what he said. And I wish all of you spoke with tongues. And can I just tell you, as your pastor, and this may make some of you nervous, as your pastor, <laughs> I wish all of you spoke with tongues. And why would I not, based on what we just read? That if it gives you a prayer language to pray perfect and specific prayers according to the will of God over your life, over your family, if it provides you an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to intercede through you based on the will of God, if, if it builds you up and strengthens you and is a part of the armor of God, why would I not want every one of you to pray with tongues? It wouldn't make sense, would it? And this is why Paul's saying, I wish you would all pray with tongues. Right? And you say, well, then he went on to say, but even more than you prophesied. Yes, in the public meeting, I would rather you prophesy. Absolutely. I'm with Paul on this one. I wish every one of you prayed with tongues and had the private grace of a prayer language. And I wish every one of them, when you came together, you had a word for somebody and you'd pull them aside out in the lobby and say, hey, God just spoke to me about this and I want to share this with you. Hey, God gave me this scripture to encourage you. with. Wouldn't that be a great church to go to if because prophecy is about building you up and strengthening you and encouraging you? Wouldn't it be great if, if before and after the service, everybody's got a word and they're pulling somebody aside and saying, man, I just want to strengthen you. I just want to encourage you with this. That'd be a fun church to go to where we didn't get pulled aside in the lobby for somebody to tell us how bad their week went, but, to but they pull us aside and say, let me tell you how good your God is. Wouldn't that be better? I'd go to that church. Lost people would go to that church. Now I want to give you one verse, because people use this verse and they use it wrongly, and I want to explain it. Because Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he makes this statement, do all speak with tongues, which is to say not all will speak with tongues. And that statement is correct, but it is used out of context. I want to give you the context, okay? Because somebody said, well, I wish that I had tongues, but you know, Paul said not everybody's going to speak with tongues. That's not what he actually said. 
Let me show you 1 Corinthians 12, 28. And God has appointed these in the church. So we're about to talk about the gifts that God has appointed, right? And so these are the, these are the gifts from Ephesians 4. He's going to reference some of them. But you see these in Ephesians 4. These are gifts Jesus gave the church. First apostles, second prophets, and teachers. And, and he kind of mixes some things together, and that's where it gets confusing. So he says apostles, prophets, teachers. After that, miracles, gifts of help or healings, helps, administration, and varieties of tongues, right? So, so let, me, let me show you what Paul was just saying because he put gifts that come from that you see in Romans 12. He put gifts you see in Ephesians 4, and he put gifts you see in 1 Corinthians 12. Let me tell you what all of those gifts have in common. They're all public gifts. None of them are private graces. A gift of helps is not a private grace. It is something for public use. The, uh, the gift of an apostle is not a private grace. It is something for public use. And the gift of prophecy is not a private grace. It's something for public use. So he, with all of the things he just listed, they're all public gifts, not private graces. Are you with me? So then when he goes on to say varieties of tongues, he is talking about a public gift, not a private grace. And then he goes on to say, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? So now when he puts that saying, not all are apostles, not all speak with tongues. Now, what is he talking about? He is not talking about a public gift or he is talking about a public gift. He is not talking about a private grace. Do you see what I'm saying? See, if you don't know the difference, you think, well, he's just telling me that I'm, I'm not going to speak with tongues because I don't, I don't have that gift. But he's talking, he's like, this is a public gift, and not all will have that public. We don't need everybody to have the public gift of varieties of tongues. Even Paul said, we just need two or three, right? But, but we want all to speak with tongues. And in just case you're wondering, if I didn't say this already, even Paul said, I thank God that I speak with tongues more than you all. And that made it in the Bible, meaning he was right. I wonder if there's a correlation between Paul being one of the most powerful apostles and the fact that he prayed with tongues more than everyone else. I wonder. So you need to understand when people say, well, not all speak with tongues. Well, that's true. Not all have the public gift of tongues, but everyone can have the private grace. Let me give you one more thing that's confusing real quick, because I, I remember growing up, and I remember people saying, well, there's a demon called tongues. And if you and this was a real teaching, and, and it may still be, I don't know, but it was back then, and some of the people may have heard this, and they're like, if I, if I pray and ask God for tongues, I'll get a demon. All right, let me, let me just take you to the Word. I love the Bible, y'all, because the Bible helps us. So Luke chapter 10, verse 19. These are the words of Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. Everybody see serpents and scorpions? What do serpents and scorpions mean? Is he talking about slithering and crawling critters? Is that what he's talking about? No. And we know that because what he says, and over all the power of the enemy. So he is saying serpents and scorpions are a type or shadow of the power of the enemy. Are you with me? Okay. Everybody got that? And nothing by, will by any means hurt you. So is everybody following what I just said? Serpents and scorpions are a type or shadow of the work of the enemy. 
Everybody with me? Or the demonic, if you're comfortable with that word. If that freaks you out, just say work of the enemy. Right? But, you know, vernacular's not always important. But, oh, I don't believe in demons. Do you believe the enemy works? Yeah, I believe in the Okay, that's fine. Go with that one then. All right, so that's Luke chapter 10. Let's go one more chapter over to Luke chapter 11, and it's in red because Jesus is talking again. Okay, are you with me? Here's what Jesus said. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? What are serpents? Types, the demonic, demons, or the work of the enemy. Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? What's a scorpion? Work of the enemy, demon, whatever you're comfortable with, okay? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Do you see it? It's right there in your Bible. You can't ask God for something that he wants to give and give a demon, you can't get a demon from God. God doesn't go around giving a demon to everybody that asks for something that he wants you to have. It's not what he does, okay? And I know I sound a little facetious, but it's, it's hard and it's sad for me that people were raised to believe this. And they've never been able to have faith in this private grace of a prayer language that, that can be given to anyone because they were scared into thinking, if I ask for it, I might get a demon. Now, let me ask you an obvious question. Who would be behind trying to convince you that if you ask or wanted to speak with tongues, that you would get a demon? Only a demon. Only a demon. So let me, let me tell you my story. This would be a good way to land this plane or crash it in the mountain, whatever we've done today. Um, so I was raised, most of the time I was raised in a, in a Pentecostal church. Someone asked me the other day, what are you? I said, I'm kind of more Bapticostal or Pentabaptist or something like that. And there's a reason why I'm that way. And so if you're Baptist here, I'm with you. And if you're Pentecostal, whoo! And if you're Presbyterian, I'm predestined to be here, you know. Uh, and if you're Catholic, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snack, you know, I mean, I'm with you. Like, I just, my people, right? If you're a Methodist, I brought a potluck, okay? So, I mean, and some scotch. I'm sorry. I should have said that. I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. That's the Episcopalians. I'm so sorry. So sorry. But I love you all. <laughs> Woo, yeah, so uh, anyway, so let me tell you my story. So I was raised, I was raised um, in a Pentecostal denomination, and, uh, and so I grew up very comfortable around hearing people pray in tongues, speak in tongues. I was, I was showed, shown scriptures, maybe not as clearly as what I showed you today, but, but I grew up believing this. Um, when I was about, I guess I was a freshman in college, uh, God had really started moving just in my own heart, my own life. I was really feeling more led toward the ministry at that time to, to be a pastor. And, and I was just hungry for God. And I just wanted everything. I, so for me, it's like I didn't want to leave anything on the table. You know, like a kid in a candy store. You know, if it's free, I want it. 
you know, the reason Sam's, you know, you, people used to go to Sam's on the weekend when they could do free samples. You know, it's like, I don't leave anything on the table. I've always wanted to try, you know, that quiche or whatever it is. And, and so to me, I, with God, I'm like, God, anything you have is good and perfect. And I want anything and everything that I can have from you. And that was a genuine hunger in my heart. Not, not to do anything with. I just wanted to know God and I wanted to receive everything God had. And what I hadn't received was I didn't have prayer language. I, I hadn't spoken with tongues, even though I was raised around it. I just hadn't spoken with tongues. And part of it was because I had seen some things that I felt like were... Something. You know what I'm saying? By well-meaning people. But I'd seen some weird stuff, y'all. That's what I'm saying. And... And, and, and by wonderful, wonderful people, I am in no way saying that they didn't have a real encounter with God or that they were doing anything other than just trying to follow God themselves. But I'd seen some stuff. And, but I believed that there was something from the Lord, and I believed that I could, I could have a prayer language, and I wanted the prayer language. But because of some things I'd seen, I'm like, well, God, I want it, but I need to know it's real, so you're going to have to make me do it. And that was good in some ways and also a struggle because I'm really stubborn. And so I began to pray and ask God just to, to immerse me in the Holy Spirit, to fill me to the fullness, you know, with everything that he had. And specifically, God, I, I want to pray. I want a prayer language. And so I fasted. I prayed. This went on for months. It was getting very frustrating. I didn't understand why God didn't like me. And, you know, because some people would just, you know, I don't know, they could just walk in the first note of worship and they would just, you know, here they went. And I'm like, why don't I go? You know, I just, I don't know. I'm still here. They went up there. I don't know what happened. But I, I was so hungry for God. I would come in from college and I would get alone and I would just pray. And I would just pray. I did this like every day. <laughs> just pray, God, I just want to be full of your spirit. I want to be baptized with your spirit. I want to be immersed in everything I could think to pray. Lord, I love you. You know, I worship you. I mean, I worship all things. And, and, um, and I finally one day as, as I was just praying and pouring my heart out, it was like I just kind of ran out of words. You know when you want to explain something but you don't have words or you want to communicate something but you don't have words? That was the experience I was having. Like I'm pouring my heart out to the Lord and I'm asking God for everything I can ask God for. And it was just like I just kind of ran out of words. Like, mm, mm, mm. And when that happened, almost like um, it, it was just kind of strange. Like in my, I would say in my mind, it was almost like inside of me, I heard these syllables that I did not understand. Luckily, I was raised around some things, so I thought, that must be God, because I don't know what that is. I didn't make up those syllables, but, but I keep kind of feeling them. So I thought, well, I should just say them. And I didn't have a lot of syllables. I had a couple but I thought, in faith, I want to receive the grace of God, and I'm going to trust God's doing something because I know it's not coming from, from just my mind. I know I would not make up these syllables. I don't know what these syllables are. And when I started speaking out those syllables, it was like the dam in, in, of a river just started opening. Like when you see them open a dam and water starts, and then, and then the more they get it open, the more water pushes out. And for about the next hour or so, I just prayed in a language I didn't understand. And to this day, I, I don't understand it. And, and I'm okay with that because what we just read is he who speaks in a tongue speaks mysteries. See, when you're speaking a mystery, that's something you don't understand. But it doesn't make it false because you don't understand it. Are you with me? 
And from then on, I've had a prayer language. I pray for you in a prayer language. I pray over a church in a prayer language. I pray every weekend before I come preach. I pray in the Spirit. Why? I need to build myself up. I want to be very connected with the Holy Spirit. Right? And see, I'm not weird at all. Don't answer. Don't laugh. But I just want you to understand that when it comes to tongues, they're a mystery. And so you can understand what you can understand, but you may not be able to understand everything until we get to heaven. But I want you to understand when it comes to the private grace of a prayer language, it's for everyone. You don't have to have it to go to heaven. That's, that's a false belief. You don't have to speak in tongues to be saved. That's a false belief. You don't have to be, you know, to have the Holy Spirit live inside of you. You don't have to pray in tongues. That's all something that happens at salvation. But there is a, there is a private grace of tongues that is a benefit that builds us up, that strengthens us, that's part of the armor of God, that helps us pray when we don't know how to pray. And, and that's for everybody. Just like Paul said, I wish you all spoke with tongues. So I want you to stand. And I'm going to pray for you. And no, I'm not going to try to get you to speak in tongues. Um, that's, not, that's not my goal. When it comes to a prayer language, people have asked me two things. I'll just give you this. And you can, you can do with what you want. Um, by the way, if, if you, I'll, I'll make this plea to you. If you want us to pray with you to receive the Holy Spirit or speak with tongues, we'll do that tomorrow at prayer at 6 o'clock. We'll make sure there's time for that. I'll personally make sure there's time. So if, if you're like, I, today, you know, there's a lot going on, whatever. If you want to come tomorrow at 6 o'clock, I will pray for anyone to, to be immersed in the Holy Spirit, be baptized with the Spirit, and I'll pray for anyone that they receive prayer language. I can't make you speak in tongues. I'm not going to try to make you speak in tongues. I don't need you to fall on the ground. I don't need you to act or flop or do anything. None of that is anything I'm interested in trying to make anybody do. But I would just pray for you if you wanted more prayer. Does that make sense? Um, and you only have to come forward. I'll pray for you just like today, wherever you're at. But I want you to understand when it comes to, to speaking with tongues, two things that I've learned. Number one is that you have to have faith. You have to say, I believe this is for me. And, and number two is that you kind of have to deal with that fear of, oh, Lord, what is it? And probably the third thing, I'll add one more, is you have to you yield to it. Every gift of the Spirit comes by you yielding to the Holy Spirit. He will not force you to do anything. In fact, Paul even said in 1 Corinthians, the spirit of a prophet is subject to a prophet. What he's saying is God's not going to make you prophesy. You'll have to yield to it. And prophecy, Paul esteemed as the greatest spiritual gift. That is true. And so he's using that to say with every gift, the Holy Spirit's not going to make you do it. You're going to have to yield to it. And so but what I've said is you can yield. And you don't have to be in a church service. You don't have to be in this room. You can be all alone like myself after a day at college and just kneel and pray and say, God, I want everything you have for me. But I'm just going to pray today for hunger. And I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that God fill you people. I mean, if you feel like you, you speak in tongues, you, you can do that. I wouldn't, wouldn't do it real loudly, but you, you can do that. Um, if God moves on you in that way, it's fine with me. But I just want to pray with you before we go. Is that okay? Father, I just thank you so much for the Word of God, for the truth of the Word of God. And Lord, I just thank you for the gift of the person of the Holy Spirit, for the promise of the person of the Holy Spirit, and for the work of the Holy Spirit, for all that the Holy Spirit does, and all that He brings us, that He indwells us, 
But God also that Jesus said he would baptize us with her in the Holy Spirit. We can be immersed in the Holy Spirit. We can have him full. We can be full of him on the inside and, and completely immersed in him on the outside. And God, I thank you that there are public gifts. Thank God for that, that build up the church. But God, I thank you so much. There's a private grace of the Holy Spirit, God, where we can pray in tongues, where we can be built up where we can be strengthened. God, I pray for the people in my family today, my family here, my church family here today, my pathway people, God. I just pray if there are those who are hungry. God, really, I pray you'd make us all hungry for you and everything that you have for us. But God, I pray for those today, if they are hungry, God, and, and they are desiring, God, I just pray that you would give them this, this beautiful grace of tongues. God, that you would fill us full of the fullness of God. You would immerse us in the Holy Spirit of God and that the gifts of God and the graces of the Spirit, God, the gifts of the Spirit and the grace of the Spirit, God, would just flow out of us. Like you said, out of, out of our inner being will flow rivers of living water. And God, I just pray today that we would receive God, the grace of tongues, I pray we receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit and be immersed in the goodness and the grace of God. I pray that for all of us today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Come on, can you give Jesus praise? So real quick, because I went long, real quick, I need my prayer team to come. If you need prayer, we'll meet you down here. We would love to pray with you. If you want more prayer concerning the Holy Spirit, if you need prayer for healing or something like that, we would love to pray with you. So prayer team, if you'll skedaddle on down here. And then everyone else, we say a big God bless you. We love you. Join us at prayer tomorrow at 6. We will see you next, either tomorrow or next weekend. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.